I am speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis. I'm Jeff Turner, and this is Recall. It's a series about history. Not the ancient past, but history that's still hot to the touch. In this first season, I explore a revolutionary political movement that brought a modern democracy to the brink. You can find Recall, How to Start a Revolution, on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Q. You might know the story that back in 1991, Princess Diana held the hand of a person dying of AIDS. There was a photo taken of that moment, and that one gesture and that one photo really was, I mean, in many ways, largely responsible for changing public perception of those afflicted with the illness. It might be news to you, and it was news to me, that that photo was taken in Canada at the Casey House at Toronto AIDS Hospice. That was the story that inspired Nick Green to write his most recent work. Nick Green is a Canadian Dora-winning playwright. His play, Casey and Diana, premiered last summer at the Stratford Festival. And it's the story of how that visit from Princess Diana really changed the lives of the patients and nurses and families and volunteers, everybody who spent time at Casey House. The play will be back on stage at the Soul Pepper Theatre in Toronto from January 23rd to February 4th. It's also available for streaming now at the Stratfest at Home subscription service. I got to talk to Nick before the show premiered last summer. We talked about the process of making the play, a little bit about why we may not know about Princess Diana's visit being Canadian, and the impact that visit still has to this day. Here's our conversation. How are you? I'm so good. Thanks. Such a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's so great to yeah. have you. Thanks Thanks for being here. Right, has the play run, is it started yet? It has, yeah. The preview started uh, end of May. Yeah. And so it's running now. How's it been going? It's been a bit of a dream. Yeah. The houses have been really responsive and the actors are just incredible the way that they're embracing the run and letting the show continue to grow and breathe. It's been a dream. Um, how did this idea come to you? Well, I was doing some research for uh, another play of mine, Body Politic, and that was concerned with the first gay lesbian uh, publication in Canada. So I spent a lot of time at the Toronto Pro Public Library reference, um, at the Toronto Reference Library. Yeah, right, Sorry. right, right. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, down, it's hard, to be honest, hard to say. Hard to say. Maybe they should change the name. Rebranding yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I call it a book spot. Book spot. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what that's I call brilliant. it. That's brilliant. Yeah. So I, I spent a lot of time in their basement looking at microfiche. Mm -hmm. And um, kind of as, as you go through microfiche, it's quite moving the way you see time move forward in front of you. And um, as I was combing through all the articles, I started seeing the story. And I thought to myself, earmark that for later. And so when I came back to it, uh, just looking at the impact of this visit um, in the first place in terms of sort of combating stigma around HIV AIDS, I thought this is a signif significant moment in Canadian queer history. And I think when we see AIDS stories in Canada, we see, we see a lot of American stories. And I thought, uh, I need to pay attention to this one. So, and I also thought, how has no one done this story before? Yeah. It's a brilliant, beautiful story. Yeah. Uh, so what followed was I connected with Casey House and started talking to people there with kind of the impulse that I wanted to write about this, but not knowing what it would be. 
And as I heard the firsthand stories from people who were there on the day or involved in some way, I realized this is so much more than just the story of, you know, a princess coming to an AIDS hospice. This is the story of um, a community that really rallied around each other and, um, and did their best to help people die with dignity. And so I just knew I had to write this play. Can you um, put on your history hat for a moment and and tell me about the moment? Like, so tell me how Princess Diana ended up at, at Casey House and 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 what and what that meant. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't the first stop for her in terms of visiting uh, people with AIDS. Uh, she'd been doing this in the UK previously, and the waves that were made from her doing this were profound. Yeah. Um, at this time, there was so much fear and misinformation about AIDS. Um, that to see her uh, actually making physical contact with people who have it um, opened up a lot of eyes. Um, also, part of that significance was um, the people working in these settings, the, the community organizers also experienced a lot of stigma. Mm. Um, and so her work did much more than just um, shed light on an issue, I think. And from what I've heard, it really helped people in these positions kind of stand up and feel great pride and recognition for for what they do. So in terms of her coming to Casey House, um, it's actually a really beautiful story. The uh, Crown, I guess, um, reached out to Casey House about her visiting about a year before she came. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of you know, the focus of Casey House at that time was really helping people have a dignified death. It wasn't like it is today where, you know, they're helping people live their life with HIV. Full, full, full lives with HIV. Right. Yeah. Um, at the time, you know, people's stay at Casey House was relatively short and for the most part ended with them passing away. And so in order to... Um, address the fear that people might hear the news that she's coming and then not make it and their families hear that she's coming and then not be there. They actually waited until one week before she arrived to tell anyone that she was coming. And uh, that's a big point of interest in the play, uh, which takes place in the seven days that lead up to her visit. Why was that so interesting to you? From speaking to people who were there and involved, um, what really stood out to me and what still kind of moves me um, at the time. So the founder of Casey House, June Colwood, described what she was trying to provide was a velvet experience in death. And so a lot of the focus of their work at Casey House was about helping people towards their death to be comfortable and feel respected and loved. But for one week, their focus became about trying to keep people alive long enough um, to meet her. And the true story is that no one died in those seven days. Is that so? Yeah. No one died in those seven days Mm -hmm. with this anticipation of of Princess Diana coming to visit. Mm -hmm. How how did her visit go? The actual visit itself? The stories are amazing. Yeah? Yeah. Um, And and some of them captured in pseudo-fictionalized ways in the play. Yeah. Uh, from from what I've heard, you know, it was just an all-around 
positive, joyful experience for people. She went room by room and sat with all the residents. Um, she knew a lot about AIDS uh, and HIV and about the treatment. So she was able to speak in a really informed way to people about the medications and the side effects and the, the various things their bodies and minds were going through at the time. And she also spent time with the volunteers and nurses and, and made sure all of them felt really appreciated as well. You have a you had a bit of a challenge, or at least a, a couple of decisions ahead of you. I, I can I can see that even just as I'm talking to you. There's a version of this where it's like The Crown on Netflix. It's centered on the story of Princess Diana and her coming to Canada and holding the hands of an AIDS patient and and what that meant for her and what that meant for the the wider public. There was a version of this where you focused only on Casey House and like the story of Casey House and and, and how this happened. There's so many different. Um, permutations of how the story can be told. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you decided to tell this story? Well, I think the decision was relatively easy to make once I started meeting people who were there. Yeah. Um, I guess there's a few different thoughts that crossed my mind. I think a big question was, what message do I want to portray through this play? What, what do I want to leave people with? And I think for me, I was really drawn to a story that um, is about kindness and compassion and hope. And um, the people who embody that, I mean, Princess Diana coming brought a great sense of hope to people and, and was all about the message of compassion. But even more than that, the, the nurses and the volunteers and the family members um, who were surrounding these residents at Casey House um, their stories are about kindness and about um, putting the lives of others in the forefront and really devoting themselves to helping people's way through the world be just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I could focus on the strife of Princess Diana doing this and, you know, what I've read that it, the crown didn't approve of it. I don't know how much of that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, I was just much more drawn to a story that would remind people just how much um, kindness and selflessness and compassion that there is in the world, which I have to say right now is a particular, especially in the 2SLGBTQ mm -hmm. community, is mm -hmm. such an important message. Um, and I don't see that message, sadly, um, going out of style in the future. I think we're, we're going to just keep needing to be reminded about the goodness in people. This is a challenge also because you, the, the, you mentioned that the people, some of the people who were there that day are still with us. They, some of them, I guess, maybe, maybe even still work there or still involved with Casey House. How did you decide on how, you, how involved you wanted them to be, like how, how much of their story you wanted to tell? I started by connecting with Casey House and sort of asking them to point me in a few directions. And then when I write plays that are based on something that actually happened, I just sort of snowball. You know, I ask people who else I should talk to. Yeah. And at a certain point, you know, every story is going to have 10 different perspectives and 10 different versions, right? So at a certain point, you have to decide what story it is that you want to tell. I, I work in the world of fictionalized history, right? Yeah. And so at a certain point, you have to kind of realize the research is great and it gives you, and you can keep going back to it and it gives you context and framework for the play, but then you need to turn to creating characters who are there and understanding what their drive and conflict is gonna be through the show. And so it's just kind of a gut feeling of I need to turn away from the research now 
and focus on what this play is going to, what story this play is going to tell. But Casey House has been, you know, involved in one way or another throughout the process. And so that never ended. Um, it's a it's a pretty unforgettable story, actually. So May 27th was my 40th birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. And uh, I spent the day in a preview of Casey and Diana with this group of Casey House founders, um, current volunteers and staff, former volunteers and staff, uh, experiencing this show with them. So some of these people had been around for the visit? A, a whole bunch of them, actually. Uh, as soon as I walked into the lobby, there was one man who was showing me pictures of him with Princess Diana. Wow. Um, there was actually a moment, uh, there was a talk back after the show, and there was a moment where uh, one woman who was there with her kids talked about how um, when she was a teenager, her father was dying at Casey House when Princess Diana was there and she was there. Yeah. And she's been trying to explain that day to her kids. And so she got to bring them to this play and kind of relive that oh, day. And then there was this moment where Jane, um, who was the CEO at the time on the other side of the theater said, wait, were you there with your sister? And they remembered each other and they were reconnecting oh, all yeah. these years later. So I, I think that um, the real folks involved um, are still very much a part of the ecosystem of this show. Okay, but I really appreciate that. What does that mean to you? What was it like for you to be sitting in this room surrounded by these people, so many people who had been either a part of Casey House or had even been part of, the, of that visit or who had their lives affected by that place? It's, it's just so humbling. The, the, the feedback I've gotten from a lot of them is that, you know, a message of gratitude and, and a feeling that we really encompassed the heart and soul of that day. Um, people talking about how they walked in and feel like they're inside a room at Casey House at that time. And our designer just did such a phenomenal job with that. I mean, of course, when you're writing something that's based on something where people are still alive, you know, you're worried that you're going to get like, <laughs> that's not what it was like or whatever. Yeah. Who do you think you are? But I have to say that um, it's just been the spirit of incredible support um, around the show. And it's really on that 40th birthday, looking at these founders who, you know, they did the, the real work here. Um, they changed the face of hospice care in Canada. To have them engaged with this piece, I, I, it just makes me feel so deeply grateful. We'll be right back. I'm Ara Madison III. And I'm Louis Fertel. This year, we're excited to bring you new episodes of Keep It covering the holy trinity of award season, Emmys, Grammys, and the granddaddy of them all, the Oscars. It's like the Super Bowl for Hollywood, but with more sequins and fewer concussions. And we are continually blessed by iconic guests like Michelle Yeoh, Tori Kelly, Andy Cohen, and Jinx Masoon. New episodes of Keep It drop every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts, or subscribe to Keep It on YouTube for access to full episodes and other exclusive content. You do something special afterwards, after the show is over um, with the audience. So uh, I don't want to, can you explain it to me? Sort of like a second space. Yeah. So um, Casey House partnered with Stratford Festival to create a reflection space. So it's in a little rehearsal hall right next to the theater. And you can access it actually at intermission and after the show. So, so it's another room. It's a separate room. And they 
brought in a bunch of their quilts um, and photos. And one of the quilts is actually the quilt from the year that uh, Diana visited. So there's names on there of some of the men who were in the house on the day of the visit. So you can go in there and spend some time with the quilts. Um, there's also an opportunity to memorialize someone yourself by writing their name and putting it on the wall. And then there's facilitated uh, discussions as well. So some people stick around after to reminisce about the day or talk about what the show meant to them. Well, why was that important to have? I think that we're dealing with a time in life that uh, was really traumatic and hard. And mm-hmm. I know, you know, our, our dramaturge on the show, Bob White, lived through that time and, and lost friends. And I mean, I, I don't know, he's going to kill me for a I don't know that there was a run of the show where he didn't cry, he didn't yeah. weep. And he he's seen that since draft one. So I think that we were just really aware that the people who lived through this time, as well as the people today, I mean, many of us are still impacted by HIV and AIDS and the stigma of it. So just having a space to debrief. Nick, I mean, Nick, I was going to say, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, I can tell even just from talking to you so far how emotional this is for you. Why is that? I think there's a lot of reasons why this show um, is sort of the thing that's made me feel the most sort of proud and complete as an artist in in my life. Really? Um, I think that uh, there's a, a personal connection to the the fear and stigma of HIV and AIDS that, you know, being born in 1983, uh, growing up as a queer person, um, the fear and stigma around HIV and AIDS is is, is omnipresent in, in my generation. Um, to see this topic and to see this show at the Stratford Festival alongside Rent and a very queer version of Richard II, um, I know that there's a lot of people who are feeling very seen and, um, and, and also just as an artist to be working with the Stratford Festival where they truly have made me feel just like such an incredibly valued person. Um, I think this is bucket list material, you know, I, I just sort of pinch myself every day. Um, and they'll also just add that, um, the room led by Andrew Kushner, uh, the actors, the designers, the crew, everyone involved with the show has become this really, really special family. And um, I'm moved when I even just think about the performance of our lead, Sean Arbuckle, as well as like the entire ensemble, their heart and soul is in this work. And um, it's so much more than just a play to me. I'm so excited people are going to get a chance to see it. You talked to me a little bit about how, you know, you, you hope by making this people can think a little bit more about love and, and compassion, and especially in the world that we live in right now that could use more and more um, love and compassion. But let, let, let's, let's, let's do this in sort of like brass tacks. Let's do this in sort of like reality. So, and, and I'm, I'm, I know this may not be an easy question, but I, I do, I'm always interested in the answer to it. So two people go to see this work. They, you know, they, they go into the room afterwards, the reflection room afterwards. They get back in the car. They're going to drive either to the place they're staying in Stratford or they're going to drive back to Toronto or drive to Guelph or something like that. What conversations do you hope they're having with one another after seeing your work? I hope that there's some reflection on um, where we've come since that time. 
uh, and I think that in the context of COVID, there's some really uh, present day similarities or comparisons that someone could make. Um, there's also some parts of the show that I won't go into detail yeah, about. Yeah. Um, but my hope is that um, the overall feeling is, wow, there's good in the world and that there's the possibility for people to overcome anything in in the interest of um, being kind to other people. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that the message of kindness being taken away from it or or the hope that we can turn corners where there's misunderstandings or bias or fear um, so that we can be there together with each other in the end. And then I would also say that the show um, obviously focuses a lot on the experience of life and death. And something I, I really meditated on through this and that I hope people think about is how ultimately in the end, whatever you believe in, all that is left is what we leave behind in others, right? And I mean, that is something that's common to Princess Diana, to the people, you know, finding their way through the story of this show. All we have left is what we leave behind in other people. And so I hope that this reminds people that our mission here should be to leave behind something good. It's my conversation with the Canadian playwright Nick Green. His show, Casey and Diana, will be back on stage at the Soul Pepper Theatre in Toronto from January 23rd to February 4th. It's also uh, available for streaming. I'm happy about this because I hate being on the show and just saying things that are happening in Toronto because I remember what it was like to be in Newfoundland and here on the CBC, like, oh, that'll be in Toronto. And I would just go like, well, I guess I'll never see it. <laughs> like, unless I plan a trip, I'm not going to get to see it. So I'm, I'm really happy to say that it's also available for streaming now at the Stratfest at Home subscription service. That's the at symbol in there. Uh, that's it for us. The other conversation we have up today is uh, my conversation with the Canadian fashion designer Aurora James. You might remember Aurora back in 2020 created the 15% pledge and uh, in it, uh, just to paraphrase, she uh, convinced major retailers like The Gap and Sephora and Indigo to stock more black-owned businesses, stock more product from black-owned businesses and really in a, in a tangible way, changed the world of a lot of people and changed those businesses as well. And she'll be here to talk about her new memoir. Um, if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Make it part of your New Year's resolution. Listen to Q every day. <laughs> All right, we'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.